This is the Homestead Journey Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the pursuit of self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and sustainability. This is episode number 81 of the Homestead Journey Podcast. Welcome, 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 everyone. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the Homestead Journey. My name is Brian Wells. I am coming to you from 3B Farm and Homestead here in beautiful upstate New York. And folks, it has been a great week here on the Homestead. It's been a busy week here on the Homestead. And so let's jump right on over to this week's Homestead Happenings, and I will bring you up to speed with what we've been doing here on 3B Farm and Homestead. The first thing I wanted to do was provide you with a bit of a garden update because it's that time of the year. Now, I certainly don't have as much planted in the gardens as I had hoped. And part of that, I think I shared with you last week is because I was waiting for a delivery of soil. I wanted to actually top off my raised beds. I wanted to rehab my older raised beds. And uh, so I have not gotten as much planted as I would have hoped to have have in the ground by now, because by now I could have had spinach and lettuce and beets and uh, just a lot of things sown, but I've just opted to hold off. But what I do have in the ground is some peas in both my raised beds, as well as the roost out area. And those are starting to pop up very, very nicely. And my radishes are up. So I'm very excited about that. I am not someone who likes raw radishes, but I have found out since the last time I grew radishes, something that I didn't know. And that is that you can roast radishes, you can mash radishes, um, you can eat radish greens, didn't know any of that. And so I'm excited about growing these radishes and giving that a whirl before I give up on radishes altogether. I did go ahead and rehab the one raised bed um, yesterday it was actually in way worse shape than I thought. Now, these are the original raised beds that I built back in, I think, 2008, um, maybe 2009 timeframe. They were made out of cedar decking. So they've held up very, very well, but they uh, certainly were a lot worse for the wear than I thought. Um, What I did is uh, take some of that rough cut locust that I got from the father of the scout, the the scout for my troop who did his Eagle project, building some raised beds. There were some rough cut locusts left over. They graciously gave that to me. And so I had enough of that to go ahead and rehab the one bed. Now the other bed, I'm going to have to come up with a plan B on that because I didn't have enough lumber for that. And you know, right now the price of lumber is crazy. So I don't know. I may hold off a year. I may go get some rough cut from the Amish. I don't know. But uh, at least I got the one done. And I did get the dirt delivery this week. So I just have got to start moving that dirt. I don't know if I'll be able to get much of it moved this week because we uh, are supposed to get rain all week. So we'll see. Um, But on the other hand, why wait? Because it's not like it's going to dry out overnight and be any less heavy. Uh, So we'll see. I may get some moved this week. I did go ahead and... uh, Harden off the things that had in the seed starting system. So my tomatoes, my peppers, um, some brassicas. I had a few flowers and herbs in there. And those have all been hardening off on the front porch. 
I think Friday night they spent their first night out uh, outside and uh, they're looking very, very nice and very healthy. And uh, so very happy to have them out of the way because that's freed up room in the seed starting system for me to start some more flowers. So I started some um, nasturtiums and some sunflowers today. I, I got those started. So excited about that. And then if you remember my experiment with the tomato cuttings that I, I put in water, they actually did form roots. And so I'm in the process of potting those on using red solo cups filled with uh, the seed starting mix. And uh, so that um, is going well. Uh, well, hopefully fingers crossed it's going well. We'll see what we get on to the animals. We moved our meat birds out of the brooder this week. So they're out on pasture and uh, so excited to get them out of there. They're just little poop factories, folks. I had planned on moving them out last Saturday. I think I shared with you on last week's podcast that it was supposed to get cold. And so I did not move them out until Tuesday. Um, so they were in the brooder a couple extra days, no big deal. Um, but I'm just so glad to have them out. They just, oh, they are poop factories and it is so wretched smelling. So was glad to get them out, get that side of the brooder cleared out, pulled down the divider, put in fresh shavings. And now our standard birds have run of the entire mobile coop. And so I'm very, very excited about that. Yesterday, I did my least favorite chore uh, on the farm, as you know, and that is pig castration. My wife helped me with that. So we castrated three males. Um, so glad to have that over with. I just absolutely, absolutely hate that chore. I did get good scalpels. <laughs> as you may remember, uh, I tried getting those scalpels from Tractor Supply. They sucked garbage, garbage. In fact, I had to write my review on Tractor Supply three times before they, they would accept it. <laughs> uh, the first time, is, I guess they didn't like it because I mentioned a competitor because I said I went and bought good scalpels on Amazon. And then the second time they rejected it because I said uh, that it that using those scalpels on an animal would be akin to animal abuse. So I guess the, their lawyers didn't like that. So um, I, I did, uh, you know, uh, slow my roll a little bit, but in all fairness, Tractor Supply did call me and talk to me about my concerns with the scalpels, wanted to know how they can improve them. Uh, my answer was, I'll send you a link to good scalpels from Amazon, and uh, you can see what a good scalpel looks like. They didn't take me up on that offer, um, but at least they did reach out to me, and I was I was very, very um, pleased about that. But anyhow, so yesterday, we did uh, castrate the piglets. Glad that's over with. And then today, actually, two of my piglets went to their new home. There is a farmstead a couple of towns over where people can come and uh, do kind of a farm vacation and learn about animals and those kinds of things. And so two of my American guinea hogs are going there. And so they're going to be living life on easy street uh, where uh, they will be loved and, uh, and taken care of. And so I'm very, very excited for them. And so they headed on over there today. The last thing that I want to share with you this week, we did the homestead journey challenge. And that took up a big part of my week, one hour every evening. We actually went live at a private Facebook group. And folks, it was so much fun um, getting to know some of you and uh, just interacting and learning from each other. 
And if you missed it, folks, you missed out on a great, great week. It was a great week of building community, uh, a great week of encouraging people. It was so exciting to see people kind of connecting the dots and uh, just getting excited about taking their next right step on their journey towards self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and sustainability. And so at the end of the week, I announced something very exciting. So I want you to listen up. And that is that I announced that I have launched a Homestead Journey podcast supporting listeners program. Now, what does that mean? Well, this is a program that I'm launching where, first of all, you're going to have access to a private Facebook group where you'll be able to build community. We're going to be able to learn from each other. We're going to be able to encourage each other. When we have successes, we'll celebrate those. When we have failures, we'll be able to cry on each other's shoulders and we'll be able to just do life together. And it was really exciting as part of the challenge to really see some of that community already starting to form. And so I'm so excited about that. And I want you to be a part of it as well. So if you missed out on the challenge this week, you certainly are going to want to take um, action and become a part of the supporting listeners program. I'm also going to be doing a monthly live Q&A in the group. So you're not going to want to miss out on that. I'm going to be providing early access to some bonus content. I'm actually getting ready to start a new podcast series. I will be releasing those on Friday. And if you are a supporting listeners member, you will have access to those episodes on Thursday. I will also at times be doing live podcast tapings and I'll be going live in the group. You'll be able to see me tape this podcast live. All of the flub ups that I make that get edited out, you'll get to see those. And so you're definitely not going to want to miss that. Um, You'll also be able to interact with me and I'll be able to answer questions that you have live. So that is just another perk of being a member of the Homestead Journey podcast supporting listeners membership area. I will also be doing discounts for uh, members to future paid live events. I'm working on securing discount codes to vendors, and I'm also putting together a membership site that's going to house all of the content. So the uh, Homestead Journey Challenge that we did this week, I recorded every session. We had some technical difficulties, so I'm going to have to do some editing, but all of that content is going to be available on the membership site. So very, very exciting program. And if none of that interests you by becoming a member of the Homestead Journey podcast supporting listeners program, it's going to give you the satisfaction and the knowledge that you are supporting this podcast that you so dearly love. So how do you become a member? Will you become a member by going to support.thehomesteadjourney.net. You'll get more information there. You'll be able to sign up. And the cost for this is going to be $10 a month. Or if you pay for a year's membership, it's $100. But wait, there's more. I kind of feel like uh, Billy Mays, right? Billy Mays was the old infomercial guy. But wait, there's more. If you sign up in the month of May, the month of May happens to be the month in which I was born. And actually, the 10th of May happens to be the day on which I was born. So I am offering a promo code in the month of May. May 10 is the coupon code. If you use that, that's 10% off your membership. So May 10 is the coupon code. Use that 
at support.thehomesteadjourney.net to become a member of the Homestead Journey Podcast Supporting Listeners Program. So excited about it, folks. So head on over to support.thehomesteadjourney.net. All right. Having said all of that, let's jump on over to this week's Charting the Course. Friends, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, (laughs) but homesteading is under attack. Now, I know that sounds a bit hyperbolic. It sounds a little bit like henny penny and the sky is falling, but I am going to share with you a couple of ballot initiatives that are underway where homesteading is directly under attack. In Oregon, they are right now gathering signatures for a ballot initiative. It's called IP13. If you want to Google it, I will put a link to it in the uh, podcast show notes. I don't believe they've achieved enough signatures for it to be on the ballot yet, but they are definitely working hard to achieve that. But in Colorado, they have in fact garnered enough signatures to be able to put a initiative on the ballot that they are calling the PAUSE initiative. Protect animals from unnecessary suffering and exploitation, which sounds rather nice, right? That's what we all want to do as homesteaders. We try to take good care of our animals. We don't want to see them suffer unnecessarily. We would never support animal abuse in any shape, way, or form. We want to make sure that our animals live good lives. We want them to die as well as they've lived. I've shared with you folks that when processing day comes around, it bothers me. And I've told you that my promise to you and my promise to myself is that if it ever stops bothering me, I will sell all of my animals and get out of this all together. So none of us want to see animals abused at all. So this sounds great until you start reading down through it. If you read this, and I will provide a link to the actual text of this initiative, they are redefining their current animal abuse statutes. And some of it, you look at it and you read that and you think, well, it seems absolute, absolutely harmless because now they are including livestock in their definition of animals. But what does that mean? Livestock means bovine, camelids, caprine, equine, ovine, porcine, fish, and poultry. What they are doing is they are taking animal abuse laws and they are now applying them to farm animals. Um, Doesn't sound too bad yet, does it? Well, then they go on and they are defining the natural lifespan of the different species. So they are defining cows' lives to be 20 years, a chicken lives to be eight years of age, a turkey lives to 10 years of age, a duck lives to six years of age, a pig lives to 15 years of age, a sheep lives to 15 years of age, and a rabbit lives to six years of age. Nothing wrong with that as of yet, right? Except that when you scroll on down a little bit farther, this is what they're doing, folks. 
Any person who slaughters livestock in accordance with acceptable agricultural animal husbandry practices does not violate the provisions of subsection one of this section so long as the animal has lived one quarter of their natural lifespan based on species, breed, and type of animal. What? So we go back up here and we look at this. So they say a cow lives to 20 years of age. One quarter of that, last time I checked, is five, right? Five times four is 20. Five years of age. Cows, generally speaking, are butchered between two and three years of age. So now you're saying that you're going to take them twice as long before you can butcher a cow? What? And a chicken. A chicken lives to eight years of age. So a chicken has to be two years of age before you can butcher it or else you're a criminal. Last time I checked, we butcher Corners Cross at eight weeks. They would never make it to, to two years of age. And I butcher my standard breed chickens at about 18 months. So criminal me, lock me up. A turkey lives to 10 years. So now you're looking at what? 2.5 years before you can butcher a turkey? That's crazy. I butcher broad-breasted whites at like 22 weeks. A duck lives to six years. A pig lives to 15 years. So at, at 15 years, you're saying a pig has to be three years of age before you can butcher it? Even my American guinea hogs, we're processing at 18 months to two years of age. Commercial breeds, they process at what? Six to eight months? Take them to two years? What kind of insanity is this? Sheep, what's, I, I haven't even done the math on what, uh, 15 years, a sheep lives to 15 years, a rabbit lives to six years. The fact of the matter is, folks, that makes it nigh unto impossible for homesteaders to, and, and, and already raising animals is very, very costly, but it makes it very difficult for us to be able to raise and grow our own food without violating this criminal, criminal statute. But wait, there's more. Again, I feel like Billy Mays here. And if you have small children nearby, you're going to want to have them go to another room as I discuss the next part of this. This is just very sick and twisted, folks. They redefine what it mean, what sexual acts with animals mean. Now, the fact that this has to be codified at all is sick and twisted in my mind, but I do kind of understand why we have this code in, in place. But what they are doing is now they are saying, let me just read, let me just read it. You can hear it for yourself. Sexual act with an animal means an act between a person and an animal involving either direct physical contact between the genitals of one and the mouth, anus, or genitals of the other. Okay, no problem there. Now, this is where we get into big time problems. Sexual act with an animal also includes any intrusion or penetration, however slight, with an object or part of a person's body into an animal's anus or genitals. A sexual act with the animal may be proven without allegation or proof of penetration. Nothing in this subsection shall be construed to prohibit any person from dispensing care to an animal in the interest of improving that animal's health. Now, it used to say, nothing in this subsection shall be construed to prohibit accepted animal husbandry practices, but they've crossed that section out and they've said any person from dispensing care to an animal in the interest of improving that animal's health. You see, what they're working on doing is codifying the criminal conduct of artificial insemination of animals. Because in order to be able to artificially inseminate a cow, a pig, uh, a sheep, a goat, 
you insert things into them to be able to inject the semen. In the in the in the case of a cow, without getting too graphic here, the the um, person actually inserts their arm almost up to the shoulder in the rectum of the cow, in the anus of the cow, and then inserts the semen into the vaginal area to make sure that it gets injected into the correct area. That would be criminal conduct underneath the statute because it would be considered a sexual act. Now, how twisted and sick is that? But what it does is it would keep you from being able to have your cow in milk, your goat in milk. And in fact, there are some who read this and believe that milking an animal would be considered a sexual act. Now, I don't necessarily get that reading from this, but there are some who are arguing that that could be construed from this proposed ballot initiative. The fact is, folks, this and what is taking place in Oregon are directly challenging, directly attacking homesteading and our way of living. But it's not just a matter of direct attack on our life. There are also laws that are being passed right now that indirectly attack our way of living. In California, there is an assembly bill, 1346, banning small gas-powered engines. So things like leaf blowers, garden tractors, chainsaws, rototillers, all of those things would be banned underneath that bill. Here in New York State, they are mandating that all vehicles sold in New York State need to be electric by 2035. That just passed the New York State Senate and is on its way to the governor's desk for signature. Now, you might say, well, Brian, how does that attack homesteading? Well, let's go to the California law first. Most of us hate leaf blowers, but that's neither here nor there. Whether it's leaf blowers, weed whackers, garden tractors, chainsaws, rototillers, those all have places on some homesteads, many homesteads. And folks, whether or not you're somebody who is pro no-till or you're not, if somebody wants to rototill their garden and that's the way they garden, it's none of your business. It's none of my business. We should have a law in place that's going to keep them from being able to do that. Have you ever tried to use an electric chainsaw? Good luck trying to cut down a tree. How are you going to be able to cut up limbs with a, with a battery-powered chainsaw? Though, I mean, my battery-powered DeWalt circular saw, I can hardly cut a piece of plywood before the battery goes dead. It attacks our ability as homesteaders to do the things that we need to do. With regards to what's going on with the electric cars in New York, the range on electric vehicles is very, very small. It takes forever for them to be able to recharge. I can refill my gas tank in what, eight minutes? How long did it take to recharge a car, an electric car? In fact, did you know that one in five uh, electric car owners in California are returning their cars and buying gas-powered vehicles because it takes so long to charge an electric car. Not to mention the fact that you get out into rural areas and there aren't a whole lot of electric charging stations around. So maybe this works great in a city, but you get into rural areas and this affects our ability. If we want to live in the country, if we want to live out in the middle of the boonies, how can we? We drive into town. Now we got to plug our car in and wait six hours to be able to charge our car so we can get back home. So what's this going to do? It's going to keep people from being able to realize their dreams of raising and growing food. So in that regard, yes, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that our way of life, homesteading, is indirectly under attack 
with regards to those bills. Now, do I necessarily think that like those those ballot initiatives from Colorado and Oregon, that people are intentionally doing that? No, I think probably in that regard, people are well-meaning. And even with regards to those animal, uh, the pause uh, ballot initiative, I think those people are well-meaning. I really do. But at the end of the day, it's none of their business. It's none of their business. Our way of a life is also under attack from those fleeing cities. And this is, again, nothing new, but it just seems to have been accelerated through this whole COVID thing. This is something that we've dealt up here in upstate New York for decades. There's been a lot of animosity in upstate New York towards people from downstate. People move up here. They're looking for their country estate. Then they come up and they don't want farmers to farm. They don't, you know, they don't want to smell poop. They don't want to see animals having sex outdoors. They want to do away with all that stuff. And so our way of life is under attack. I shared with you on my episode, System is Broken and What You Can Do to Help. Uh, I, I believe I shared on that episode about a farmer who he actually is the guy who processes my pigs. He's got several different businesses. One of his businesses is that he, um, he does pine shaving. So he takes pine logs, he shaves them up and he sells the shavings to dairy farms. And he had somebody move to the other side of the mountain from where he is. I can't remember how many decades he's been on that. I believe it's a family farm that goes back a couple of generations. I could be wrong on that, but I know he's been there a very, very long time. This guy moves in from downstate, got his country estate, and then he has been making Rutt's life absolute hell, trying to use noise ordinances and whatnot to try to get Rutt shut down, even though Rutt's been doing this for a long time. I was talking to somebody this week who is actually somebody who should know better because he was raised in the country not too far from here, but he's been living in town for a little bit, and he just bought his 12 acres of land out in the country. And already he hasn't even built a house out there. And he just closed on the land a couple of weeks ago. When you drive to where his land is, you drive by a farm. Now the farm is a little bit dumpy. I'm not going to lie. It's kind of got junk laying around and it's kind of deteriorated. It, it changed owners not too many years ago. And the people that have it now certainly don't keep it as nice as the people who owned it before. And already this guy is talking about how uh, we need to fix that. What? What? You just moved in and you need to fix that? Dude, it's none of your business. None of your business. I don't know whether or not those people consider themselves to be homesteaders or whatnot. I know they have chickens. They've got donkeys. They've got other things. They've got cows. Um, It doesn't matter. We have people right now who are leaving urban areas for the country and trying to dictate to those of us who live in the country, what we can and cannot do on our properties. Our way of life is under attack. In every one of those instances, whether it's the ballot initiatives that are people are looking for signatures to to have people vote on this on the ballot, whether it is legislative issues that are coming out of Albany or Washington, or whether it is people trying to utilize local ordinances to force people to comply with a particular way of living. This all goes back to 
the political process. One of the things that I strongly believe is we in homesteading can no longer hide behind the, we've got to leave politics out of homesteading. We cannot afford to do that any longer. Now, I understand why people want to do that, because it seems like in our day and age, people can no longer talk about difficult things like adults. And anytime you bring something up like this, in fact, as the way that I found out about this uh, pause program going on in Colorado was in a homesteading group and it became a dumpster. To me, any homesteader should look at this and feel threatened. Whether you live in Colorado or you don't, you should look at this and you should say, this is wrong. And if they're not coming after me now, certainly they're going to be coming after me later. But instead, it became a political dumpster fire. People calling each other names, Libtard and Trumplican and just that nonsense, because we have lost the ability as adults to talk about difficult things and disagree agreeably. Somehow we have got to figure out how to put on our big boy underwear, our big girl panties, and start acting like adults again, because we cannot afford to leave politics out of homesteading. Now, we don't need the name calling. We don't need the libtards and the Trumplicans and all that kind of nonsense that that seems like the United States political system is just devolved into. At the end of the day, there's plenty of blame to go around. I don't care if you're on team blue, you're on team red, don't care. Both teams have screwed other people utilizing the laws and they've affected our abilities to live our lives in the way that we want to. Fact. It's a fact. Inconvenient truth. If that makes you mad, if that uh, hurts your feelings, sorry, but I'm going to call it like I see it. So we've got to get beyond all of this stuff and blaming it on the other side. And as homesteaders, we have got to band together and say enough is enough. Enough is enough. And if I see somebody in com- coming after somebody in Colorado, or I see them coming after people in Oregon, I need to understand that I'm next, or I very much could be next. And so as homesteaders, we have got to band together. We don't have to agree on all points, but we need to stand up for each other and say enough is enough. People need to have the ability to raise and grow food in the manner in which they see fit. And folks, I am not supporting animal abuse. Please do not get me wrong. But this, if this were to come to New York, if this were to come to New York, I am a criminal. I'm a criminal in so many different ways under this PAUSE Act. This criminalizes so much of what I do here. And I think my animals are taken pretty darn good care of, and they live a pretty darn good life. But this makes me a criminal. And whether or not you're somebody who maybe you're vegetarian, vegan, whatever, I don't care. You, you may, if that's the way you believe, great on you. No worries. Maybe pescatarian. But this should concern you. Should concern you. What's next? We need to band together. We need to stick up and say enough is enough.
we can no longer hide behind this, leave politics out of homesteading. Yes, leave the juvenile politics out of homesteading. I 100% agree with that. We don't need any more libtard, trumplican nonsense. We don't need Team Red versus Team Blue. We need to band together as homesteaders and understand that our way of living is under attack. And if we don't engage in the political process, we could be next. And there are some people who say, I'm above the political process. I'm stepping out of it. Folks, I don't think we have that luxury any longer. When these kinds of bills are being passed, where are we going to run to? Where are we going to run to? I can see this, quite frankly, coming out of Oregon. But the fact that this is on a ballot in Colorado, a huge beef-producing state, blows my mind. I could see this pause thing being on a ballot initiative in New York State. Coming out of Colorado, blows my mind. Now, maybe I'm just an ignorant person with regard to the makeup of Colorado. Blows my mind. Totally blows my mind. I understand we could be next. Homesteading is under attack, and folks, we have got to stand up for each other. We've got to have each other's back. We've got to get past all of this nonsense of calling each other names, blaming the other side. It doesn't help anything. I want to see people raising real food. I want, to ha- I want to see people have the ability to raise and grow food. And they might raise and grow food differently than I do. It's all good. I want to see people raising and growing food, becoming more self-sufficient, more self-reliant, and sustainable. And I hope you do too. Folks, that's it for this episode of the Homestead Journey podcast. If you disagree with me, I'd love to have a dialogue with you. We can do it like an adult, right? We can have difficult conversations about tough topics and still be friends, right? Email me, brian at thehomesteadjourney.net. I would love to have a conversation with you. If you think I'm spot on, I'd love to hear that too. Give me a pat on the back. And folks, don't forget that we have launched the Homestead Journey Podcast Supporting Listeners Program. So head on over to support thehomesteadjourney.net. And again, if you use promo code MAY10 during the month of May, you will get 10% off. As always, the music on this episode was provided by audionautics.com. So a big shout out to them. And until next time, everybody, keep up the good work.